Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Yeah, hey, hey, well, it's November, and you know, November, uh, there's a certain holiday that I just love because the food's really good, right? And the My football's is. pretty good, you know, and, and uh, Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, this really um, is a season. It's a month of Thanksgiving and gratitude. And so we wanted to talk about that subject uh, over the course of the next handful of weeks as we uh, move into Thanksgiving and then into the, the holidays. You know, this this has been a very, very hard, hard year uh, for Americans, but actually for people all over the earth. And, you know, I'm reminded what Scripture says, uh, that in all things, in all circumstances, we're still called and required and expected to be uh, people that carry uh, thankfulness everywhere, everywhere we go. And so, I want to be obedient to that. And I, I don't want to just do it because I'm supposed to do it. I want to do it because it's really inside of me. And despite what you've experienced, some of you experienced great loss during this past year. Um, and I don't say it lightly or generically, but even in the midst of great loss, I know people who have been through all kinds of stuff that are still people full of thanksgiving. And you know what? I love being around people that are grateful. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's just, there's something about people who are so full of thanksgiving that it just, it just like literally boils up outside of them and it even impacts me, you know, because when we experience uh, hearts of gratitude, uh, stuff flows out in forms of service and generosity. And we're going to be talking a little bit about, about that. But we just watched that little uh, trailer, that little intro. And, and that was the question. Yeah. Are we truly, truly grateful people? And we're going to look a little bit more into that question even today. Well, and I think when we ask ourselves that, most of us at least want to believe that we're grateful people, yeah. right? I mean, you know, we, we, we really want to think that. And and this week, obviously, we were meditating on gratitude in this, uh, in this talk, but I was at the grocery store, exactly kind of like this bumper, right? And, and I was waiting uh, in line, and there, there was quite a long line. And I remember there was a, a lady with her son, and he was probably about five years old, and uh, she had allowed him to select the candy that he wanted. I can relate, right? And as he grabbed the candy that he wanted, he then asked, what else can I get? And she said, well, babe, I, dear, I, I, how about we just be grateful for what mommy said you could get? And in that moment, behind his little mask, he said, I am grateful. What else can I get? And I thought, yep, Lord, I yep. know exactly yep. what that sounds like. <laughs> and so often we do that, don't we? But it didn't stop there because the line was so long and there was a precious lady in front of me and, and also one behind me. And the lady in front of me, she was so frustrated because it was taking so long to check out, right? And in this moment, her foot starts tapping, 
She said, goodness, how, how much longer is this going to take? And this is what she's saying right in front of me. And the sweet lady behind me, same circumstance, same situation, still having to wait, said, oh, I love the time to get to look through these magazines. Aren't they fun? And I thought, perspective, you know? Yeah. Gratitude changes the way we see everything. Our perspective, right? It literally changes everything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The fact that gratitude changes the way we see everything. And we have an anchor verse. Our anchor verse for this entire series is going to be in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. If you have your Bibles or it'll be on the screens. Scripture says, give thanks in all circumstances for this giving thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. But if you know anything about our teaching, we never like to just pull one verse out of context. So I think we have to look a little deeper into the context. Yeah, I mean, we re- that's what we have to do. We have to look at uh, who uh, Paul is addressing here. And, and, and I want you to know that uh, this letter, he's writing this letter to a church in a city called Thessalonica. And I don't have details. I don't have the time to go into all of those details, but it was a Roman province. It was a very important city uh, to the Roman Empire. And he had been the one that had planted this young, vibrant, spirit-filled church. And these young baby Christians, if you will, uh, they had experienced... Uh, the Spirit of Christ in such a supernatural, um, overwhelming way uh, that their lives had changed for the better in such an incredible way that as a result of that, uh, what manifested out was works of love and service unto their neighbors. And so here's this young church. They're all filled up. Uh, with Jesus. And so as a result of their gratitude for what Jesus had done in their lives, they started serving their brother and sister. They started being uh, peacemakers like we were just praying about. And so, in fact, Paul, he starts out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 by addressing uh, essentially that. And he's, he's, he's thanking them for responding to the work of God that happened inside of them by sharing it with somebody else. Look what scripture says. Paul writes this, remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Here it is. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. So Paul's writing to say thank you. And he's also here, he's encouraging them in the faith. And then he goes on to address some of the misconceptions and confusion on the second coming uh, of Jesus Christ. And these misconceptions and these confusions actually uh, brought conflict amongst these baby Christians. And the conflict uh, ultimately led to uh, idleness. You say idleness. What, What do you mean by that? Meaning that because of the confusion that resulted in conflicts between their brothers and sisters in the Lord, the work of the Lord coming out of that church halted. It stopped. Everything that they were called to do, everything that they were doing because of what they had experienced through the Spirit of Christ, 
It was stopped because they began to have disagreements that led to conflict, that led to idleness. And so Paul uh, is addressing this problem within the church. And so in the midst of this church's idleness and their inaction due to being wrapped up in their own questions about the end times, Paul said this to them. And I feel like, especially in the midst of this climate that we find ourselves in our nation, that's, you know, some of it's crept over into the church. Um, I really feel like it applies to us right now. And there's some truths here. So let's go to the word. First Thessalonians, I just read from chapter one, jump all the way to chapter five. This is what scripture says. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And let me stop right there. Underline that whole sentence because we're going to come back and look at that uh, here in a minute. Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Underline together. Verse 11. Therefore, as a result, because of what Jesus did, encourage one another... And build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. So Paul is saying, I know you're doing it, but let me give you some specific ways of how you should be doing it. Here it is, verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you, meaning encourage and cheer you on. Verse 13, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Now, by the way, this isn't easy, but this is a massive part of my assignment and your assignment right now. Verse 14, 14, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle. Warn those, let me, I'll give you some other words, who are lazy within the church. Hello. Warn those who ain't doing nothing. (laughs) Warn them. That's what, I didn't say that. That's what Paul said. So he says, warn those who aren't doing much. And warn those who are disruptive. Uh, Here's the thing about people who are disruptive within the church. Those are the ones that really don't have any skin in the game. Come on. Like, those are the ones that don't show up for the heavy lifting, if you know what I'm talking about. That's good. So, so Paul says, warn the ones that aren't doing anything, and then warn the ones uh, that are a problem that really don't even have a place to be talking because they're not doing much, anything. They're just being disruptive. Okay, so here it is. <laughs> Encur- and then he goes on to say this. Encourage the disheartened. Yeah. Another Come word on. for uh, disheartened or, dis- or an adjective. Th- those that who have lost hope. And I've had so many conversations with people who feel like they've lost hope. And Paul says to love and to encourage those who have lost hope, help the weak, be patient with everyone. That's, that feels like it's impossible right now. You know what I mean? It's like, be patient with everyone. Verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Meaning you're not just called to do what is good for those that are closest to you. You're not called to just do what's best for your own biological kids. Paul is saying, you got to do what's best for everybody. You got to love everybody as much as you love yourself and your babies. You got to do the same 
for everybody else. So this is the, the assignment. And then verse 15, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ, meaning this is what God wants you to do. This is his assignment. And 19, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. And we'll talk about that in a minute too, but go ahead, go for it. Giving thanks in all circumstances, man, that just doesn't come naturally. It's not something that any of us, I know that there's this preconceived notion that some people are just born more grateful. Eh-eh. It's, it's just not the case. It doesn't come naturally. But we really want to unpack in this series this idea of gratitude, how it does change everything, and how we can get to a place where we are more naturally grateful, that more naturally our response will be gratitude. And today we want to talk specifically, we addressed it earlier, we want to talk specifically about how gratitude changes what you see. Yeah. It changes your perspective on everything. And to do that, we have three questions that I believe we need to be asking ourselves every single day, maybe every hour, maybe every minute, to make sure that we are choosing that perspective of gratitude, but that we make it a habit in a way that it becomes so much more natural to us in the way that God's calling us to. And the very first question we have for you is what do I really believe that I deserve? What do I really and truly believe that I deserve? Because that will affect my gratitude. Now, those of you that know me relatively well uh, know that I love to cook. But I don't just like, like, I'm not, I never aspired to be a chef. I don't love to just cook to cook. I love to cook for the people I love. I love to cook at home with my stuff for the people that I love. And I remember uh, one of the first Thanksgivings that your family came to Tacoma and we got to host Thanksgiving. This has been years ago. And I remember because I... It wasn't just the Thanksgiving meal that I cooked. I mean, I did breakfast, lunch, and dinner that week for the whole family. But honestly, I was thrilled to do it. I was super excited. And remember your little brother, Taylor, who's now, you know, an amazing pastor in New York. But I remember he looked at me and he's like, Ash, why, why do you love doing this the way you do? And I thought about that for a second. And in the midst of my explanation which I had never honestly thought about, tears started to flow down my face. And I explained to him, I said, Tay, you know, my mom was one of 14 children. I'm one of 48 cousins just on that side. And that's just first cousins. That's not second, third, da-da-da-da-da-da, right? And I remember as a child being in my grandparents' little three-bedroom house. And initially, they had raised 14 kids in a two-bedroom house, but then they got fancy and added on, right? I remember my grandma's kitchen was so tiny. And she taught me with the biggest, most content smile. It was kind of that Mona Lisa smile. It wasn't like teethy. Just that Mona Lisa smile of just constant contentment. I remember her teaching us. I mean, I was little. 
how she had always made things stretch, right? You had, oh, baby girl, you had, it wasn't even bacon fat. It was just straight Crisco. You got to add a lot of Crisco to these biscuits. Makes them good. Makes it stretch. And I think about that. Because my grandma didn't have a grocery store on the corner of her block that she could just go and get food from. She didn't have a, a big, nice fridge like we get to have in our house that is full of great food for my babies. And so every time I go to reach in the freezer to get some broccoli to steam for them, or I think about how much I don't deserve the blessings that God's given us. There's not a harder worker on the planet than my grandma. Her name was Eunice. We called her Big Ma. Come on. If, if that's not Southern, I don't that's know. That's a what Southern is. thing, right? Because I feel southern... like that would be problematic here for me, I think. <laughs> but by the way, poor. Oh, extremely poor. Yeah. And they, you know, lived on a farm, and that's how they fed all of those kids and all the hungry kids on the street, by the way. And she was thrilled to do it. And I think about, Lord, I don't deserve the blessings that you give me. And man, when we approach life that way, it changes everything. You know, ungratefulness, the heart of ungratefulness, if you're struggling with gratitude, the heart of that struggle is entitlement. And entitlement simply means that you feel like you are owed or deserved something. But I have to tell you, that's why ungrateful people, I don't care how rich they are, I don't care how easy their life is, they will never have enough. And that's also why grateful people regardless of what they're walking through, regardless of what they have, like my grandma, are always content. They're just always content. And I love how Paul starts this section addressing this exact issue of what we as humanity actually deserve. Look with me at 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 9. Paul says this, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Underline that, friends. Meaning God didn't desire for us to suffer wrath. But guess what? Because of the fall of man, that is what we deserve. That is our, our actual payment. If we had had to pay the price for our sin, for the sin of humanity, that is what we would have had to pay. But instead, Jesus took that for us. And friends, it wasn't because we deserved it. He gave it in spite of us not deserving. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. People that understand just how undeserving we are of that forgiveness from Jesus, they forgive easier. Have you noticed that? They forgive easier. If you encounter judgmental or religious people, the heart of that religious person 
is honestly that entitlement. It's that in the core of their being, they believe that they've somehow done something to deserve God's goodness. And they are constantly looking for others to do things to deserve the goodness of God. And friends, scripture couldn't be more clear about this. Paul in Ephesians 2 addresses this issue because that age-old deception hasn't changed. It is straight from the enemy. Look in verse 4. Paul was saying, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And then he says it a few verses later. Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved. I feel like he just needed to yell it again, right? Through faith. Friends, through faith. And, oh, guess what? It ain't from yourself. It's the gift of God. And then he says it a different way. Not by works. You cannot boast. It ain't about you. Not because of you. Verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. And when we make that choice, when we allow God to help us to be grateful, it changes the way we see everything. Also, our response, right? So not only is it realizing, oh, wow, I don't deserve anything good. Nothing good in my life have I ever deserved. It's because of God's grace and it's a gift. And out of that flows this natural reaction, this response that makes us want to do good works, makes us want to bless other people. And that's the second question that I want you to ask yourself first. You have to stop and go, okay, what do I really believe that I deserve? Not, not an answer that you're going to post on social media. Get real with you. Do you have a spirit of entitlement? That Man, I, I'm supposed to have better. Actually, we're supposed to have death and hell. That, that's what we're supposed to have. But God. Amen? And then number two, does my life show that I put others first? And I want you to stop because I'm, I'm not asking, do I want to put others first? Do I think I put others first? Does your life have actual fruit that proves that you put others before your own desires? Woo. That's hard. I'm telling you. These are hard questions. And, and, and you know what's, uh, what's so compelling about God's word is how it has a way to cut right to your soul. It cut us this week. That's what I was just about to say. Like, <laughs> like I, was, I, I told uh, Elder Brian earlier yeah. this morning, I was like, I was, I've, I've been meditating on this passage all week long. And I, there was a couple of times I just like stop and like ask the Lord to forgive me. Right? Because I've got entitlement issues at times. I've got, you know, do I, do, does my life actually show that I actually prefer this person in front of me or is it just always about me, man? So, so wherever you're at, man, like we, you can grow from God's word today. Make sure you're hearing his word. We're just regurgitating it, right? So Pastor Ashley just says, does my, it's the second thought, does my life show that I put others first? Let's go back to the text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's good to go back and kind of talk through it a little bit more here. Verse 10. So scripture says, he died for us so that whether we are awake 
or asleep, we may live together with him. Verse 11, therefore, underline that word therefore, because this word shows the connection between the two thoughts. Since Jesus gave everything for us, since he died for us, since he saved us from hell and death, now therefore we're to do the same. He goes on to say, verse 11, therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Now, now these go hand in hand. The, the people who are complaining the most, the people that are uh, doing absolutely nothing, but they, they, they're doing the least. You're to warn them. You're, you're, to, you're to tell them to wake up. Come on, pull your weight. Let's do this together. That's what Paul says here. But, but don't just do that. He says, speak to the other group as well. That's the next part. He says, encourage those that have lost hope, the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Here's the thing. M- make sure uh, that... Uh, that your help doesn't have contingency, contingency, contin, contingency. That's the word. Meaning contingencies. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm no. sorry. I'm saying strings that, attached. Yeah, strings attached. Someone's gonna yell the word out. Anyway, make sure that your help doesn't have strings attached. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Meaning, uh, hey, I'm gonna help you out, but this is what you owe me now, or. I'm going to do this for you. And, and as I do this for you, you, by the way, you need to be further along on this journey than you, than you are right now. Uh, uh, you know what? Like, I'm going to do this for you, but um, hey, you know, A, B, and C, right? That's exactly what Paul is saying here. And then he says in verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. No more eye for an eye. Like, no more getting back. That's good. Like, like no more holding any animosity or, or holding something uh, over somebody's head or, 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 or that, um, that idea right there. So make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So you're, like I said earlier, you're not just called to do right and help and love those that are closest to you, but everybody around you. This is the body of Christ, and we come together in these moments. And one of the questions we're asked all the time, and really in this season, honestly, in every season, people are constantly asking, you know, pastor, what is God's will for my life? And so Paul continues in this section by really giving us that exact answer, but he he doesn't just give us what to do. He actually gives us how we'll be able to do it. So it's not just instruction, but he gives us the resources. So uh, verse 16 says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ. Now, these are some big asks right here. Like, how can I possibly get to that place where I'm rejoicing always? I mean, that's like just thinking about that. Uh, Giving thanks continually in all circumstances, praying, praying in all circumstances. How do we get there? Um, We do this by allowing the Holy Spirit 
to do something inside of us. But verse 19 says this, do not quench the spirit. And that's the last question we have to continually ask ourselves uh, to begin this perspective shift is number one, what do we really believe that we deserve? Does our life like show the fruit of gratitude, of a grateful spirit, of thanksgiving? And here's the third uh, question that we have to ask ourselves, and that is, am I really willing to submit to the spirit of God? Yeah. Even when it doesn't feel, it doesn't, I don't, I don't feel like it, if yeah. you will. Uh, are we actually willing to submit everything that we are to God? Are we actually willing to humble ourselves and get down on our knees and submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, because that makes all the difference in the world. Are we holding back, if you will, anything that we're not willing to truly lay at the feet of Christ? I think it's so important that Paul literally, the next statement, he says, look, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for you. Oh, and by the way, I know it. it's not easy. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's a churchy phrase if you're new to the Bible or to Jesus or to church. It's a, it's a phrase you kind of, it's old school churchy phrase. Don't quench the spirit of God. And what it means is basically you and I have a choice. The Holy Spirit is always desiring to transform us. Not, not out of judgment, not out of anger, but out of love. He's constantly drawing us. He's constantly bringing us to that place of molding, creating in us what he desires for us. Not because it'll make him love us more, but because he wants better for us. But we always have a choice of whether we allow him to or not. We can block his spirit from working in and through us the way that he desires. That's, that's called free will. We can quench his spirit. We can block it. We can stop it. And as we allow his spirit to work in and through our lives, as we submit to what he's speaking to us through his word, what he's speaking to us through those rhema words, meaning the right now words that he's speaking in our souls that always line up with scripture. As he does that, we have that conscious choice to decide whether we block that or whether we submit to it. And as I was praying over this scripture, as the band comes back, as I was praying over this last part, the Holy Spirit gave me such a beautiful picture because it gets overwhelming. This idea of, oh man, I, I have to rejoice all the time. I got to pray all the time. I got to be thankful all the time. Lord, how could I possibly do this? And so we get in that mode of thinking, oh, this just means I need to row harder. Man, I, Lord, I already feel like I'm rowing so hard. Why, why, why? How could I do even better? And instead, the Holy Spirit just showed me this beautiful sail. In this sailboat, in this moment, that a sailor understands that the wind has already been provided. And all I need to do 
in that moment is allow the sail to lift and the Holy Spirit to take us wherever he desires. And so often the enemy will just get us to that place of feeling so ominous, right? Oh, man, I can't do it, Lord, I can't do it. And he said, oh, no, 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 I'm not asking you to do it. I'm just asking you to let go and let me lead. Look how Paul concludes this section. He says exactly that. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Scripture says, may God himself the God of peace. And I love that because it's that moment of going, may God himself, oh man, is he a God of judgment? Mm. He's the God of peace. Sometimes we feel like those transformations that he desires in our life, oh man, it's because God's mad at me. It's because he's judging me. Oh, he has peace for you, love for you. The God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through. It's not a one-time thing, friend. It's continual. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us in that moment, we tighten up. We go, oh, blameless? Lord, how could I be blameless? Are you joking? Blameless? And, and then he follows up with the answer. Verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. You keep thinking that you're the one that has to white-knuckle it. Oh, if I can just be better. And the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, friend, just don't take your sail down. Just leave it up and allow me to move you. Allow me to transform you. Allow me to take you into all those places, the shift of your thinking, every area that I desire for you. Allow me to take you there. Gratitude is is an obedience issue. It's a choice, a choice of whether we allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through us to help us to view things the way he desires. And you know what's so beautiful about the end of this passage of scripture is it's just a great reminder of the vast amount of love that the Lord has for us in that he allows us to partner with what he's already doing. Right. He, he, he doesn't have to do that. Right. He, he's the God of the universe. It's so true. He could just say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, get out of the way. Or, yeah. but, not, but not only does he not do that, he empowers us. Yeah. So when good. Jesus left this earth, before he did that, he said, hey, first of all, you don't have the option to be afraid right. or be worried. Mm-hmm. And the way I'm going to affirm that reality is I'm sending a helper. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, you're going to go on to do, you talk about affirmation. He says, you're going to go on to do even greater things than I ever did. I mean, that, that's, that's who Jesus is, my friend. He gave everything for you. And then he proves to you by his death on the cross and his resurrection that everything he said was true. And then before he ascends into heaven, I mean, what a powerful, like, overwhelming moment that must have been for those 
his disciples, but he says, hey, don't, I know this, this whole thing is kind of starting to freak you out a little bit. I want you to know that I'm affirming you in the reality and the truth that I'm sending you my Holy Spirit and, 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 and you get to partner with what I'm doing, meaning that you do this stuff here because it's going to build you up. It's going to serve your community and your neighbors. But let me tell you, I'm going to come through in the areas where you feel like you can't push through. That, that's just... That's who we serve today. We serve a God who wants to partner, partner with you in his kingdom coming. So gratitude, it changes everything. We're going to be talking about this for the next couple of weeks here. This is leading up uh, into the, the, this holiday of Thanksgiving. And as we move into, the, into this, this Christmas season where it's all about remembering Jesus coming to this earth, you, you, talk, about, you talk about a beautiful picture of generosity that the heavenly father would send his son for me and for you. Oh man, I'm already getting excited about it. And what you're going to, what you're going to hear as next couple of weeks are unveiled, if you will, is that the stuff that comes out of a thankful heart, like you're seeing right here in this passage of generosity, of giving, of serving, but we got to start with the perspective shift on the way we see things. And so the questions we have right here, gratitude changes everything. But we got to ask ourselves, well, what do I really believe that I deserve? Do some inventory today. Take a minute and just say, you know, Paul, Paul did this. He said that I do it every single day. Like I, I got to stop and humble myself. And he uses the phrase, die to myself, right? God, I thank you that you didn't give me what I deserved. I thank you, Lord, that when I die from this old body that's already beginning to rot away, I'm going to spend eternity with you because of what you did on the cross. But not just that, we can fulfill this right here, right? While we're here on earth, that's purpose and assignment and passion, right? He didn't give us what we really deserve. So out of that reality, we are people with grateful hearts and out of grateful hearts comes acts of love to our brothers and sisters. Does my life show, does it really show that I put others first? Is there fruit? When people look at your life, do they say, yeah, that's a, that's a person whose fruit shows that they're ones who truly have grateful hearts. And then are you really willing to submit every area? I'm talking about every area of your life. I'm going to ask myself, that right now, JF, are you, is there every, are you willing to submit it all to God? Come on, let's pray right now, wherever you're at, Lord, I thank you for my friends watching right now. God, I just pray that this word, your word, not my word, not Pastor Ashley's word, your word, through The Apostle Paul, Lord God, I pray that it would just resonate with every one of us right now, Lord Jesus. Lord God, God, we just stop and we think about what we really deserve. We deserve your wrath, but Scripture says that, that Jesus, you actually became, you embodied the wrath of God for a moment on the cross. You became sin for us. You took it all for us so that we ultimately wouldn't get what we truly deserve. So, Lord God, we just take a minute and we meditate on that reality. 
because of what you did for us. Not, we did nothing. Nothing. So God, we thank you for that. And I just know right now, just that, that, that fresh perspective, maybe just that reminder right now, it's, it's affecting you to the point where the Spirit is saying, yeah, come on, give me praise. Give me thanks for that. So we just do right now, Lord. We're so grateful for that, Lord. God, I thank you. I sit with people all the time that are so afraid of, of death. They're so afraid that what will happen after they die. All of these questions, Lord God, I am so grateful that none of that kind of stuff gets between my ears because Holy Spirit, you remind me of what your word says. God, so we just, we're grateful that we don't have to even, um, we don't even have to in any way experience that fear and anxiety that so many people deal with. And I pray right now for the person that is struggling with those anxieties. Spirit, do something right now in my friend's heart. In Jesus' name, Lord God, we take a minute and we do some inventory. Lord God is the fruit of my life. Does it actually communicate to others? And not just others, but myself, that truly I am a grateful person. When people look at me because of what, how I do life, do they go, oh yeah, she, she definitely, I can, I can see her, the spirit of Christ within her. It's, is that, is that what, right there? And then Lord God, this third question, Lord Jesus, every area of my life, come on, pray it right now. I submit it all to you. I submit it all to you. Lord God, so many of us are, seem to be ruled by our finances. So many people that I talk to, they love, they love you. They're for you and your church, but all they talk about is how they can't make ends meet or what am I going to do? And Lord, I just pray for the person right now that seems to be like in bondage of fear of provision right now, Lord God. I pray that you would remind them that you are our Jehovah Jireh. That's the Hebrew for meaning our provider, that you own it all and that you give only good gifts. So Lord Jesus, give my friend right now who's, who's just owned by whether or not the finances are going to be there or not. I pray, Lord Jesus, that they would submit it. They would give you that. And in that relinquish, in that process of, of saying, God, I don't have all the answers in this category of my life, so I just give it to you right now. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray right now. Something's happening right now through, the, through this internet right now where somebody is, that's being released inside. The Holy Spirit's giving you rest and peace in this area of your finances. Maybe it's a relationship. You feel so overwhelmed that you don't have the answer. You, you, you say to yourself, I can't fix this broken marriage. I don't know what to do. I encourage you right now, my friend, that you would just submit it at the foot of Jesus right now, and then watch what he does. And in the process of his healing of that situation, that financial need, your health right now, someone's watching, and you're so afraid about that doctor's appointment that you have to have to find out the results this week, Lord Jesus, of the test that, that they called and said, there's some stuff here that we're kind of concerned about. First of all, God, give that friend of mine peace right now. And Lord Jesus, we speak healing right now. So friends, submit that at the foot of the cross right now. Submit your health. That word Give it to him right now. And after, and, and as he heals you and you get the victory report, watch the gratitude that overwhelms your spirit because of this action of giving it to him. In Jesus' name, God, I give you my children. God, I give you everything that I am. In Jesus' name. And Lord, as these, as these prayers are answered, as these miracles take place in our lives, may we 100% know it 
happened because of you. And in that process, we would be that much more grateful. We would be that much more full of gratitude. And in the process of all of that, changes everything in our lives. Maybe you're watching right now, and I just said submit. Maybe you want to do that for the first time. You're watching. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I've been walking through this year. I've watched a few times online. <laughs> but today's the day. As, we, as you're talking about gratitude and thanksgiving here in November, pray for me. I, I, that's who I want to be, but it starts. It starts with giving myself to, to God, making my peace with God, becoming a follower of Jesus. If that's you, just say a prayer like this, Lord, I just, I receive you into my life. I repent of my sins. I know that the sin in my life keeps, keeps me away from you, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his shed blood, I can be in right relationship with you, God. So I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I look to you. God, I pray that you begin to heal me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So God, may a seed today be planted in each and every one of our hearts as we read from your word, as now we will take steps to pursue a life of gratefulness, which leads to service, to generosity, to love for our brother and sister. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.